When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Louie. Hey, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing, sir? Humans are stupid. <laughs> I cannot agree with you more. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Same here. So, welcome back. I do appreciate you coming back on the show again. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't be this back-to-back, right? Exactly. You wouldn't be Louie if you didn't go back-to-back. There you go. So, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing our main topic last, which is are we spoiled off of doing nef- uh, binging Netflix shows? Mm-hmm. And then we're actually going to be talking about some other topics, too. We actually got She-Hulk actually found its um, director for the series. And that is uh, the fact that, you know, they're going to be coming up with a TV series on Disney+. Plus, and they actually found the director. And that director is Kat Corio. And then, of course, uh, director Taika Waititi has actually found himself another job with HBO Max. He's actually coming out with a comedy series called Our Flag Means, which is actually a pirate show. And then mm. we have The Mandalorian Season 2 trailer review. So, which one do you want to cover which, for? <clears throat> which I completely forgot to watch. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it, it's been a long day, bro. Open your... Uh, you can always like talk for two minutes. I'll watch it while recording at one point, and we'll, uh, we'll I'll give you the reactions. All right, okay. or we can or we can do a, a, a live uh, a, a live reaction. It might be a bit boring for two minutes, but we'll we'll see what gives. All yeah, right, let's go. we can do live. I don't mind. We can definitely do that live. All right, sounds good. So, okay, so which one do you want to go with first, then? Well, um. You know what? Let's go with uh, with the Hulk news. Okay, so as everybody knows, She-Hulk was actually going to be on Disney Plus as a TV series. And they've been in search of a director for a while now. So yeah. now it looks like Kevin... Oh, I lost you, John. other than Kat Corio. Of course, we also see we have WandaVision coming. We still have the animated series for the What If... You know, but the pandemic actually slowed everything down from everything actually happening. So therefore, you know, it was kind of a slow process to actually get a director for She-Hulk at the moment. But Mm. now they actually found the the director. And, you know, they're also developing a Hawkeye uh, movie or TV series. And then they're they're also doing a Miss Marvel and Moon Knight Mm. to Disney+. Plus. So how do you feel about that? I love it. I've been claiming for, uh, you know, woman power for a long time in comic book movies. And it, this is just, you know, uh, the the virgin 15-year-old uh, boy in me that says, hell yeah, She-Hulk. Um, for me, She-Hulk is an interesting character. Uh, there's, there's no one like her right now on screen. Yes, you got female characters, but you got, you know, the, um, the Gamoras. You got, uh, you know, Black Widow. But you don't have a pure power. Uh, almost feels like you know when women are in construction, women are you know in a, ma- a male-dominated field. It feels the same thing too. All the powerhouses, muscle-bound type of uh, characters are male, and I always was fascinated with She-Hulk. And it's about goddamn time we see her on screen. Oh, I agree with you, and not only that, but we actually have a strong female character that can actually hold her own exactly. without having. Right, and that's what I love about it, because I love all the things that you mentioned. I love the fact that we actually have a female-led... Oh, I lost you, John. carry her own self, where she doesn't need a male dominance to actually go ahead and be the macho person. She can actually take care of her own, which is something I love and respect about her and her character. And exactly. Yeah. It's it's diversity, man. It's something that we've been craving for for a long time where women can actually be the power of in the face of a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting too because, you know, like it or not, Hulk and She-Hulk Hulk is, you know, except for the latest iterations, a bit brainless Hulk smash, you know. 
and, and you know you have a bit more of a monster movie aspect except like again it, unless you go for you know thor 3 you got a bit more not thor 3 but the latest avengers i mean you got a bit right. more of a you know bruce banner meets hulk but even then there's a lot of smash right now with she hulk it's the beautiful contrast of very high intelligence not in scientific way but you know as a savvy lawyer as someone who can negotiate her way through as much as smashing her way through and uh for the director i really don't know this director but for me this is a sign that things are going forward so i don't care who they take what i care about is it's not just words in the sky something is concreting here and that's all I'm asking for is always have glimpses of hope to see things advance and not be like, hey, we're doing it. And like, you know, uh, and, and black, uh, black Adam your way through like 10 years after, hey, they're still signed on, you know, it's 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 happening. It's not taking 20 years. And that's something that I'm happy about. Not only that, but it's also the fact, too, you don't even have to worry about trying to put any type of continuity in with the other Avengers or anything like that. She can stand out on her own without having to rep- say, "Hey, look, remember this from this Avengers movie?" Or you can, or yeah. you remember this from Captain Marvel, for example. You know, yeah, so you I don't, don't have to worry about that. Exactly. And what would be cool eventually is, you know, you build out your characters, so you build out your female characters to the point that eventually you get like uh, a female Avengers, right? Which I, I still don't understand. If the, if there is an uh, existence, please let me know with someone in the comments. But I I, I don't know why don't you don't have like a fatal Avengers uh, in, in script. Um, and it's something I, I we need to see. Uh, not just one character, but build a whole roster that eventually you can you know almost put them on like the principal characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or just give them their own uh, assembly like a movie like they have with Avengers or with Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Um, it, it's it's far overdue. And I got a question for you, though, because there's so okay. many routes you can go, right? Are you looking for a young, a mid, or an older She-Hulk? I'm looking for someone in their mid, to be okay. honest with you. Because... Okay. I want someone that I can actually say, yeah, she's a lawyer type. She's a strong, independent woman who knows how to negotiate her way around the courtroom. Hmm. Not saying that someone younger can't, but I want someone that actually has a couple of years into her being a lawyer and her actually Hmm. getting into her character. I'm actually going older. Uh, if you, do, I actually have my pick. Uh, I've been clamoring for her for a long time. Uh, she played lawyers uh, in in the past. She definitely ha- um, exudes uh, authority, and she talks you shut up. Uh, if you don't know this name, you know what? Do me a favor, uh, John. Uh, open up Google. Okay. All right. You might not know the name, but I'm sure you know the face, right? Gina Torres. Gina Torres. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. Has she played in a lot of stuff, or? Yeah, but I'm not gonna name her stuff. I, I want to have your your reaction. So Gina, T O R R E S. Okay, I think I've seen her in a couple of things. Serenity suits. Yep, Firefly. Firefly, exactly. Um, sh- I think some- I love my wife. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about her, right? Exudes smarts, power, uh, sexiness, but also respect. Uh, mm. When she, I don't know if you ever watched uh, the show Suits. No, I haven't. Like she's like the head honcho of the law- of a lawyer cabinet, right? Okay. Uh, and, and when she, 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 the main character is a hothead but very intelligent. But when she tells him to shut up, he shuts up. She has something <laughs> special in her, and I like the fact that usually when you have the female characters, they're usually mid or young, but you never see someone past forty. And there is a rise right now that, you know, the older female actresses do movies for other older female actresses. And it's about time we put a superhero who is a female that is not in their late 20s, early 20s, um, someone who's past 40 and still in their prime. I agree with you on that, though, too. (laughs) I, I didn't think about that, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I definitely like the idea of someone that's a little bit older as well that you mentioned and 
the the actress that you chose is really good from what you told me. Not only that, but I I don't remember some of her performances, but you know, just from you describing her, I would watch that. Yeah, I mean, and it's she she's able to do comedy like like in Firefly, where she has the, her little moments, right? But she's able to do you know uh, these dialogue scenes that would not become boring because she has a, a charisma, she has a presence that she can deliver as much as the action, as the 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 drama, the 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 heavier pieces than the comedy. She is a perfect triple threat, which hasn't been used over and over. She's a TV actress with a couple of movies, right? And I think that's the perfect route for She-Hulk. It's someone that, you know, if you see on screen, you'll be like, you know, flashes of other characters. You'll be like, okay, that is She-Hulk. The other choice, if we're going mid, right? Maybe because it's a it's le, le savoir du jour, right? But if you're talking about muscle-bound, a personality, and someone could kick ass, and getting better and better in acting, Gina Carano would be so interesting as a role. Because you know what? Yeah, oh, go on. Well, because see, right now, like the whole hype with the uh, with Star Wars, it'd be easy to transition over to Marvel, right? Uh, and she, I, she may be one that you know, there's certain actors and actresses like you know, Hugh Jackman is made for for Wolverine. Gina Carano might be made for She Hulk. You know what? I was actually thinking about her though, as I was reading that article that I typed out as yeah. I'm typing out the article, and I'm like. I was thinking to myself, Gina Carano would actually be perfect mm. for that role. And she is getting better with her acting and everything compared to what we saw her in 2016 with Deadpool. And then, of course, when we saw her in The Mandalorian, mm. she has that physique. Not only does she have that physique, but she also has that personality, though, too. Yeah, and it, it all depends because <clears throat> what I think worked with – sorry, give me a second. Sure. So what worked with uh, with her in Mandalorian, I think she she got the right direction. Which is hard, you know, finding uh, people who can, you can really, like, get the best out of you uh, and really, like, elevate your your your, your game, right? Now, right. she found that personally with uh, Mandalorian, within the team of Mandalorian. And Disney seems to be good to, you know, able to, to you know, for, for most part... Uh, surround their actors to give them the chops that they need if they are a main focus you know like if we ignore the whole villain thing because some of them is just like eh but for the main characters when they're well surrounded they really get elevated and uh it might be the perfect fit gina carano might have found her career with disney in the multiple franchises they have and um if you want to carry out a series, it's going to be like, yes, you're going to have CGI and, and you know, uh, prosthetics maybe for She-Hulk, but you have to be physically fit because you're talking about, like, again, a muscle-bound character. And the advantage with Gina Carano is, you know, she did that all her life. You're not going to get an actress that's going to complain after two two seasons. Uh, this is too hard for me. Uh, it's going to be overly diva about certain things. She's been punched in the face 20 billion times. I don't think, you know, a hard schedule is going to phase her, which is going to be important to have that kind of mindset for that kind of very demanding role. I agree with you. I, I 100% agree with you on that. Because we've seen her in tough roles. We've seen her in roles where she can actually take a hit. And she is a muscle-bound person, but she can also play someone that can lower her guard a little bit too yeah we've seen seriously and um there was uh there was another one what's her name uh i would have to give me a second it's a non-obvious okay. choice uh, sure. all right while you're thinking of that i'll just go ahead and talk about gina corrado for a minute too oh. because there was something i wanted to add to that all right go well. ahead all right so another thing too is we actually got to see her lower her guard a little bit in The Mandalorian. Yeah. So imagine what she can do be as a lawyer, lowering her guard just a little bit to let somebody in, but she can't let somebody in because of that uh, that alter ego inside of her. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it'd be cool to see even further, right? Because there's so many things you can do with She-Hulk. She is a very you know intellectual character, and I think... <clears throat> By seeing, especially the, the the making of Mandalorian, I don't know if you, you had time to watch that. 
No, I didn't get a chance to. In the round tables, Gina Carano is very smart. She she is very muscle bound. She is a tough, you know, gladiator, but she has a lot of brains. She has a lot of class and um can def- definitely uh, use that her advantage for that kind of role. Now, the thing I'm worried is, you know, the whole um the whole lawyer aspect there's a beat to lawyers right there's a there's a way to deliver things that you know she would really have to work on to get that rhythm down uh because when you look you can kind of see sometimes who should be a lawyer who is a lawyer they have a way to carry themselves and to present themselves and even the way they talk right Right. so that would be maybe uh one of the challenges you know would need to, to to overcome but again, you surround her with the right team. You surround her with the right research and 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 the right coaches. Anything is possible. Now, exactly. I did I did find my other choice. Uh, she's less of a muscle bound, but we saw she's definitely able to hold her own in an action movie. Uh, that would be Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, okay. I'm loving this. Okay. It's, it's it, there's something sexy. There's something smart, femme fatale, but. Again, demands authority, demands respect when she enters the room, not just because of her looks, but because you know you say the wrong thing. You know you do the wrong thing. She's going to be on your ass with her words and or with her fists. So uh, that's another perfect match that doesn't be talked enough, uh, really enough, but you know she's probably in contention right now. Most definitely, especially when you saw her in Dr. Sleep. Oh. Then she did such a fantastic job in that film, and and uh, we'll, we'll, you know we're not gonna I'm not gonna shy away. She she's good to look at too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's definitely eye candy, and not only that, but you know she has that charisma, like you said, she has some something to actually offer us. And I think with uh, like you said with Gina Carano, I think that you know she she surrounds herself with the right people and everything. She could actually take off. We also saw how good she was with The Girl on the Train. We saw her in numerous of other movies and everything. She can definitely hold her own movie. She can definitely hold her own place. So, yeah, I'm all for that if they ever did cast somebody like that. Now, that being said, with, let's say I, I'm the, the casting director. You're the final cho- choice person. I have the three choices I, I put in front of you. I got my uh, my older pick, right, uh, and G- uh uh, oh, give, give me a second. Gina Torres, Gina Carano, and Rebecca Fer- uh, Ferguson. Who do you choose? Okay, so the first actress, she's used to the lingo with the lawyer, playing yeah. a lawyer. Yeah. The second one, not so much. She would have to get some coaches. The third one, she can pro- She, I think she can actually do the same type of work that the first actress can do. Yeah. And she can actually walk in and talk it. But if I'm going to have to go with experience, if I'm going to have to go with someone that actually was in a courtroom atmosphere on a set that actually knows what she's doing, I'm going to have to go with your first choice. Amen. Okay, you know what? That's my choice, too, because uh, first of all, you know, diversity represent not just female, but it, thank God, like for a, another uh, another race than just white, right, <laughs> is always right. a good thing. Uh, and especially representing strong females, uh, there's not enough, uh, you know, African American, and she she's a mix, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's not enough just diversity when it comes to strong, uh, uh, tr- strong characters. But you're right; she has the acting chops as a lawyer. She has the acting chops as an action star with Firefly and Serenity, um, and she is just all around the most fitted. Uh, because you know she's in shape too. You know she knows she can. You can right. kick ass. You're, you're you're not close to to fifty and having that kind of body if you don't work out yourself, right? So you know she can do it. And like I said, she's got the lingo and she she has the maturity too. Like I'm not saying uh, Ferguson has not, but there's I want to see um, a wise She Hulk. Uh, I'm like Hulks are cool, but. There's nothing wise about them, like Hulk and, and the Hulkling. Um, there's nothing wise. And for me, She-Hulk has always been a mix of bronze and wise. And that's, for me, the impersonation of Gina Torres. All right. So let me throw a curveball at you for a minute. Yeah. 
Yeah. And let's go with my a uh, couple of my choices. Catherine Winnick. Okay, I'm going to research on uh, So Catherine she, with a C? She actually played on... She's a Canadian actress. Winnick. She played okay. on... Okay. Yeah, Vikings. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Oh, they, oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I also have another choice, which is... Let's see. I'm going to go through my thing here for my notes because I think that you're going to end up geeking out over the next one. But it's uh, Le Finish Hedra, I believe it's, it's uh, L. Yeah, you got the L. L. F E N. F. E S H. H A D E R E. E R A, I mean. Yeah, you lost me. L F E N. Okay, L L F E N E S H E S H. Oh yeah, I do not know her. She actually played on the Netflix series for The Punisher. Oh, okay. She did. Um, die case. I'm sorry. She did not stand out because I don't know. Who, I do not know who she is. Like I said, this is, this is kind of a curveball that I'm throwing at you. Okay. Some, okay. Ones that, so, then of course I'm thinking of one more person, which is Becky Lynch. But I'm um, gonna go. Okay. But. I don't want. Here's the thing. If I'm gonna go with Becky Lynch, I don't want to paint by the numbers. She Hulk, where it's just very basic. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like uh, for me, honestly, Becky Lynch is kind of like a no because I understand what you're going for, but unless it's a lightning in a bottle and there's something in like the auditions, they're like, yeah, we've been looking for that particular thing. All along, and you have it, Miss Lynch. Unless there's that, I, I would like to see her practice her acting chops because yes, wrestling is is acting in a way. But let's give example: The Rock was not good at first, right? Uh, he right. needed a couple of you know practice runs to start having his charm and everything. I don't want Becky Lynch to have her practice round with She Hulk. I want a no. full, a full established She Hulk. Right off the bat, and I'll be like, okay, let's give it a couple of seasons. I want to love it from the right. beginning. Uh, for me, Winnick is a smart, awesome, she's a badass choice. Mm-hmm. She's able to do intelligence, she's able to do cutting too. There's you look into her eyes, she's one of those actresses that she ha- doesn't have to say anything, you know, something's going behind those eyes. She can talk with those eyes, which is really hard to find. Most definitely, especially whenever she just stares at you and just oh. has that glare, and it's yeah. like staring into your soul. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like I, I'm like aroused and, and f- afraid for my life all the same time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> same here. <laughs> but that, if I'm gonna go with it, I'm just gonna go with the choice that choice though too, because like you said, I don't want the practice run with Becky Lynch to be for season one of She-Hulk. I yeah. want her to actually gradually get to that point. Yeah. All right. Um, by the way, I've just opened up Mandalorian season two trailer. I haven't pressed okay. play. Uh, should I do my live re- live reactions? Go ahead. I'm not even. This is not even going to be sponsored or anything like that. So you can go on ahead and do it. All right. So here we go. Oh, it would help if I take off mute. But... <laughs> well, yeah. Who cares? It's commercials. But... <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. Let's do this. All right. Oh, that's a beautiful opening shot. Oh, the sound effects, man. Star Wars has the best sound effects. You're right. It it, it really does. Just wait until you start getting into your geek out moment. Ooh, what's that music? Yeah, baby. Still has that Western feel, which I I really was hoping to keep. Ooh, they actually mentioned Jedi. (laughs) 
This is the way. So this is the way actually continues. There's something more bigger with this is the way because it usually is with that one character, but now it's actually in the monologue. Right. It just seems like there's something more to that now. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh was that a part that the baby Yoda just closes his uh his uh his crib? That's my favorite part. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny how an animatronic like just simple animatronic can have so much personality. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I was hoping a bit more of the storyline, but hey, it's a teaser trailer, it's not even a trailer almost. Um, but yeah, I'm this is awesome. This is really awesome. I cannot wait to have a bit more of the taste. I hope one thing I I was, you know, uh, clamming for a bit more in the first season of Mandalorian is to have more through a through and through villain. We did see at the end a bit more like probably was going to be the main villain, but it, it was a bit disjointed at, at parts. I just hope that it follows through a bit more and has one main villain. Um, that being said, yeah, man, this is going to be sick. And yeah, you know, we had a debate yesterday. Are we, am I uh, renewing Disney? I'm I'm renewing Disney now. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I have to say this. I really love this trailer. Like you said, I love that country Western feel to it. It definitely has that feel of a Mandalorian walking into a bar kind of feel to it. Yeah. Western kind of setting with baby Yoda. And then of course, I like the introduction to Jedi's on the show now. Yeah, and it's like the, you see, it's funny they call like I think um, you said magicians, right? So right. it's it's interesting to see in a bounty hunters aspect of a Jedi, right? Because they have no allegiance, right? They're lying to themselves, and you know, in his case, to Baby Yoda or whatever his name is. Uh, and it, it's going to be interesting seeing the Jedi from a different perspective than the good guys. Um, we haven't seen that yet, right? Because, yes, we have Solo and everything, but there was no, really no Jedi. Uh, we have, you know, Rebels, but Rebels was aligned with Jedi. We haven't had a point of view so far in a Star Wars movie that the Jedi are not aligned to the main character. And it's going to be very interesting to see if they're actually ever going to be aligned. Because you know, uh, Jedi has has as much uh, you know uh, something around them than the Sith, right? Uh, especially right. in that in in that like era, they have been gone for for a little while, or you know, they're not as populous than in the Republic era. So there's all a myth around them, and it's going to be interesting how they 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 they, they put forward that kind of aspect. Uh, there's a lot of true on, man. There's a lot of true on. Most definitely. And like you said, I love the idea of other characters seeing the, seeing the Jedi through another lens. Because yeah. like you said, we always got the Sith who's always saying, oh, that's my enemy. Mm. Jedis are the enemy. But they've never been used as a magician or anything like that. And I love the fact that other cultures, we come from other cultures and other backgrounds, right? So yeah. one culture might actually call them an enemy. Another culture might actually call them magicians. So I like that. I like that they're introducing us into new ways of how the Jedi is being introduced through the lenses of the bounty hunters. And I, I really wonder how they're going to tie it through because I know, like, I don't know. I haven't talked to anyone in Disney. But <laughs> I mean, like, my inkling is to think that, they kind of want to not erase, but redo things from the last trilogy, right? And, you know, do something different, either with the Jedi or just go in a different direction and kind of, like, redeem themselves. So they have to be careful how they portray the Jedi and where it leads into the future, right? You know, if all this time there was multiple Jedis and there's, like, almost a new Jedi Order underground we're worthy in the new trilogy. If you know, the, if they start introducing that kind of element, it has to make sense. Right. Not just uh, you know for the last three movies that 
you know, to introduce things and be like, yeah, but where were they when Palpatine was trying to destroy everyone? Where were they when, you know, the New Order was there? It Everything has to tie in, and I do not envy uh, the, the, the showrunners of, of the show because by introducing Jedis, you complicate a lot of things, and you know Star Wars fans are fickle as fuck. Right, exactly. And not only that, but I want to also mention this. We got, I remember when uh, Del Toro, for example, got announced for The, La- for the Last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. I got geeked out over the fact that he was going to be some type of hacker, and then all of a sudden we get into that film, he's just a one-shot type of character, which I don't want that to happen to the Jedi. I don't want it to be where we actually say, oh, there's a Jedi, and then that's it. I, don't want, I want them to actually have a Jedi in there, in there for them for plot. I don't want them to say, hey, there's a Jedi here, and that's it. He's one and done. You know? Yeah, it, it, yeah. You, you you gotta surround it with mythology. You gotta surround it with you know not just the one and gunly said, but you know there there's gotta be a reason. There's gotta be some meat around it because if not, it's gonna feel like a shoe in. And one thing that Mandalorian has never been so far is a shoe in type of thing. When they present a character, there's a reason. There's you know there's some logic to it, and it always leads somewhere. Now for the Jedi itself, awesome. The first of all, the graphics, the 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 visuals are amazing. I love how like mysterious they looked. Uh, it wasn't just like they look like the good guys. Because imagine you're a Jedi on the run. You are persecuted. Uh, you know it is the Empire that's ruling right now. So the Jedi who 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 survive all this, they can't be happy, folks. They can't be all like giddy. You know. Um, you know, life is beautiful unicorns. There's got to be some anger. So I almost hope the 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 approach Jedi as you know close to 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 fringing into almost dark side. Right? There's some PTSD going on. They got you know they got like handed to them and very badly. Like there was blind sides. They never saw it coming, and they were the most powerful force out there. And the uh, Sith just destroyed them like that. So I hope. There's a lot more than just we are the good guys. I hope there's a lot more levels to the Jedi in Mandalorian. Same here. I want so much meat on the bone that I can actually digest, that I don't mm. have to digest it all in one episode. I want it to be, if they're going to make it about the Jedi and they actually have those layers to it, that's mm. what I want. I want those layers. I want those layers fleshed out. I want the Jedis to actually have some type of continuity as to why they're there. Mm. I want uh, the Mandalorian before he even thinks about handing the baby over, of course he's going to do this, but he's going to question in his mind how how can he trust these Jedi's? What's mm. their background? What's their myth? They know he knows a little bit of their of their mythology, but what's the context of their of their uh, magicians? Exactly. You know? What I want to feel is the same way I felt in Rogue One, seeing a whole new side of the rebellion. Right? They're not all the good, just the good guys. There's darker sides there's you know sides you you kind of imagine but never really saw on screen that's the same feeling i want to have with jedi i want to see a side of the jedi that you kind of maybe thought was there but never really saw proof until now i the better explore and expand the jedi um the way we see them because if not it's going to be rehashed and it's going to be a waste of opportunity right right and i do have to say the baby yoda closing is uh <laughs> he knew shit was about to go down. He's been with the Mandalorian long enough to say, "Okay, things are going to get fucked up over here." So I'm just going to close this up. Yeah, like they did such a perfect job with the timing of the reactions and perfect. the emotion that a puppet can give. Right uh, when he saw the, those little like arm things, and you can see his eyes getting a bit wider, and then you you can almost read in his mind going, "Oh shit." And like you reaching for a button and close the thing, the timing and the way it's filmed, it just perfect. And it makes me giddy to see what other like the evolution of their of their relationship together, because that was the cool thing about season one. They had such an interesting relationship in a sense that he was so patient. You know, he is a killer. He knows how to kick ass. But you saw the inner dad in him. Being like, no, stop touching that button. Well, yay, I lost my engine. Stop touching that button. And being patient, never lose snapping at him, right? But 
after a while, Baby Yoda is kind of getting like probably like teenager Yoda in a sense because he's learning more and more and more. And all right, Uh, what's the last thing you heard? Something about the Jedi mythology, and oh yeah, with the Baby Yoda. Whenever I said that, you know, shit was about to go down, and then you went on and had explained. Why you like that scene? Oh yeah, of course. Good lord, I was really rambling that long. Okay, uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah, there's something about Baby Yoda that I like. The timing of the comedy is perfect. You can almost like read into Baby Yoda's mind, saying, "Oh shit, shit is about <laughs> to go down," and closes. But it, it's funny. I'm like I was saying apparently to myself. So I'll re- repeat myself now. Um, it's the first season I loved it because of the relationship. It was such a father and adopted son. It, you you can see a different uh, aspect of the Mandalorian. He's a kick-ass killer, but he was so patient with Baby Yoda, right? He he could have been so snappy because, you know, he's a trained assassin, but he was always patient. He was always like, well, you just shut off the engine. Don't do that. Well, you shut off the, the engine again. Stop doing that. No, Baby Yoda. <laughs> you, you see, he was testing patience, but you know, he 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 respected because he understands it's a child. That I hope in season two they evolve the um, the the relationship. I hope they really evolve that they know each other, starting to know each other so well that you can actually see like Mandalorian at one point gets snappy a bit, and Baby right. Yoda gets snappy a bit. I hope they don't just rehash the same type of of relationship in the first season. And the other thing I was talking about, this might might be far fetched. I don't give a shit. But think about it. It almost feels like they're going in a route, and especially season one, you know, he has to find, you know, whoever he has to give Baby Yoda, yes. But the Mandalorian is not a race per se. It's a calling, right? Right. And that calling, you know, it's kind of funny, but if you think about it, the Baby Yoda is learning the Mandalorian ways. So what if the Mandalorian, the title is not just talking about that character, but also about the future of Baby Yoda. Maybe he is going to be the next Mandalorian in his own way because he, he starts understanding how to be a Mandalorian because that's his role model, right? Right. Because don't forget, as a child, you pick up on things mm. that you learned as a kid. So exactly. he's been with the Mandalorian for X amount of time. So him picking up on their lingo, picking mm. up on you know, his culture and picking up on other things. Yeah, I can definitely probably see that. Yeah, and it's it's like a a different spin, a different um, way of seeing the whole Jedi Padawan, you know? We've seen the apprentice angle, but we can... It's not just Jedi and Padawan. We're now seeing a Mandalorian Padawan, a Mandalorian apprentice, uh, and and there's just so much you can do with it. I agree with you. I would actually, if they ever make Baby Yoda into like a teenage uh, Yoda or something like that, to where he's actually going to be kind of like a Mandalorian, I would actually watch that. I would actually watch that show. Yeah, I mean, how like you you don't put a, a ma- you don't put a mask on him because yeah, it's it, it's a it's Yoda. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be odd, but it there's something you can do like. Uh, a Yoda, but with a different philosophy. Because Yoda in 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 the Star Wars, he, uh, I don't know if it was, that was his character or that his species that talked that way, right? Mm. You know, right. That, that type of thing. We don't know if it's that the race, right? But if they can make that species that uh, that character so completely from Yoda because he had a different, completely different background. it's something special, man. You can really do a unique character that looks almost the same thing as Yoda and not feel exactly like Yoda. Exactly. You can make your own OC character, original character, and make it beneficial, make it something special that we haven't seen before, and make it your own without having to do a callback to actual Yoda. Yes, sir. All right. All right. So now we have Taika Waititi news. And he's actually going to be directing a pirate comedy off of Mad, uh, Mad Max. Okay. Um, off of HBO Max. That would be awesome. That would be <laughs> fucking awesome. But, uh, yeah. you, you said HBO Max and you said pirate and you said Taika Waititi. Take my money now, please. 
Same. You know what? All I can imagine is what's that uh, old uh, movie Mel Brooks directed back in the day where it actually takes place in like Camelot and all that stuff. Um, You know what? Mel Brooks, Camelot, Camelot. Um. Wow, nothing. Hold on, uh, Mel Brooks movie. Okay, there's a Mel Brooks movie that it's in actually in medieval times. Yes, yeah, during medieval times, I can see it in my head. Um, yeah, I but have anyways. no clue, bro. <laughs> okay, well, anyways, I can imagine. Something along those lines. Yeah, but although that, like, yes, he's he is a bit similar than like uh, than Mo Brooks, but Mo Brooks has a lot I more think... slapstick, right? True. Um, Taika Waititi is more. Uh, I'm gonna say this: a very high IQ, intelligent, smart that is very circumstantial. Like I always remember his episode in Mandalorian. Um, you know, with the two stormtroopers talking and banting around, that is gold to me. And it didn't feel stretched. It, there is a reason to those scenes. Mel Brooks, sometimes I find, he might, might get persecuted for this, eh, but he stretches things a bit too much. Um, Taika Waititi is Taika Waititi. You can't really compare or put him in a box. That being said, there's so much things you can do with that kind of comedy and things like scurvy and cannonballs, right? right. Um, what I actually hope is I actually hope we're getting an R-rated comedy. I actually want to see some blood. I actually want to see a bit of gore uh, and him playing around with uh, something we haven't seen yet. Not something just PG-13. Oh, I agree. I would like to actually see him fooling around with something like on a rated R kind of level. Mm. And still deliver on the humor. Like, use the rated R. A bit like Deadpool. Not go over the top. But have these moments that you're not sure if you should laugh or squirm, you know? Right. And, you know, another thing, too, is uh, that I liked about this is the executive producer is David Jenkins. Taika Waititi will also be executive produce, will executive produce and direct the pilot. So this is going to be a TV series. Um, And... Yeah. By the by the way, were you talking about when things were rotten? The TV show from Mel Brooks? No, no, no. Oh, it's actually okay. something different. It's it's not a Mel Brooks film, but I just can picture it, and it's actually takes place. It's it's a movie that actually makes fun of medieval times and stuff like that. Okay, okay. That's I was still researching in case of, but okay, uh, I tried. It's okay, <laughs> and um. You know, like I said, I think this pirate show will actually be pretty good. It's going to be something special, something that we haven't seen before. Mm. Uh, but it's going to be dealing with, it's going to be based on the true adventures of Sade Bonet and a pampered aristocrat who abandoned his life of privilege to become a pirate in the early 18th century. Hmm. It, not, I- Throwing this to you, John, is there an actor you actually want to see collaborate with Taika Waititi to be in this movie, in this uh, project? To be honest with you, I don't really know. I mean, I'd like to actually see something that I haven't seen outside the box of our other actors that we have seen before. Mm. You know? I, I'm actually quite the contrary. There's one particular person. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's white, might not fit 100%. But I always want to see our collaboration with them. Uh, that would be Andy Sandberg. Oh, nice. I like that choice. Uh, it's, I find he would fit. Like It would still be different enough that it doesn't feel like the usual Andy Sandberg stupidities like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which works anyways. Um, but having Andy Sandberg and also <clears throat> put in, please, please put in Terry Crews in this thing. Oh, I would die to see that, to be honest with you. Taika Waititi yeah. with Andy Samberg and Terry Crews? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, the movie that I was thinking of is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, that, well, that, bro, that, that's that's not Mel Brooks. 
No, but I, it's totally opposite of what I was thinking. So, <laughs> but just no, chuck I, this one as a loss for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, like now I understand what you mean. Yeah, they're definitely more approaching his style. Yeah. But yeah, I can definitely see it as that kind of style for Taika Waititi, especially mm. for the pirate and stuff like that. So I can definitely see some type of humor within like something like that. Yeah, and hey, like it's it's fun to see Taika Waititi not always going in the same box. Every time he does a new project, it's so 180, at least in the context, right? If you look for like uh, what we've done in The Shadows, uh, Thor 3, uh, The Mandalorian, now uh, Rabbit, uh, Rabbit Jojo, or I, f- I forgot the name of the movie. Jojo Rabbit. And now- Jojo Rabbit, yeah. No, apparently I'm dyslexic. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, and now this pirate thing. It, he bounces the mood so often. Like, he, he seems to always want to expand his humor into things that won't always fall the same thing, and which is the death trap of a comedy uh, director, right. right? Because when you find your, your shtick, it's easy to always do that shtick. I'm sorry, Adam Standler. I am talking about you. Um <laughs> It's and then it becomes boring, and then you not be, you don't become relevant anymore, and that's what Taika 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 is avoiding, and he is smart for that. I agree with you, and not only that, but he always does movies and directs movies in the settings that he actually that actually needs to be done. You know what I mean? He always has mm-hmm. that humor to where it actually fits in with the setting that he's actually doing, rather than just letting it be a, just a schnick to where it actually just these one and done type of things. True. Like I, I, I actually uh, ask you um, a rapid fire set of questions, right? Have you ever seen before a, uh, except for Taika Waititi, have you ever seen before a movie about comedy vampires? Yep. Else in uh, what we do in the shadows? Dracula dead and loving it. Okay. Well, that may, that case, let, let's forget that. It doesn't apply. Have you ever seen a Hitler movie, a comedy Hitler movie? No, except for Jojo Rabbit. There you go. Have you ever seen a pirate comedy movie? Heck no. I haven't seen that. He brings comedies in the most awkward places. <laughs> he does. And I'm not talking about Pirates of the Caribbean because Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah. Th- this is Taika Waititi's a baby right here. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, take my money. I cannot wait to see what he does with that. And uh, I'm still waiting for him to do something not good, which you never know. You know, I might just jinx it right here. Uh, but that, would, that <laughs> usually happens when they have no more creativity or like an angle that, you know, they're revisiting because they have nothing else to do. Uh, it doesn't seem the case with Taika Waititi. And this seems fresh enough for me to say, yeah, this is the next big thing for him. I, I think so, too. I think this is actually going to be him going into TV now. Mm. And expanding his horizons on how to do certain things within a TV universe setting that we haven't seen before. Now, question for you: Is there a franchise you would love Taika Waititi, like let's say TV or movie? Is there a franchise you would love Taika Waititi to inject some humor in it? Let's see. I would like to actually see what he can do with a mummy movie. Oh crap! Okay, that that is unexpected. That is interesting because. Don't get me wrong. I love the Brandon Fraser thing, but I would like to actually see him tackle on a horror movie with some humor in it mm. and make it just as awkward. Yeah, it's the that, that actually it's it's awesome. Like he tr- he trips in his own bandage. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> me, I'm actually going completely out of the box. Something that you know you might have never thought to put Taika Waititi, but you would have maybe never thought to put Taika Waititi in a Thor movie in a fucking work like a charm. Um, please give him G.I. Joe. Oh. Please give him G.I. Joe. Okay. My inner child <laughs> is screaming right now. <laughs> it's, it's, like, you need, like, you, you, I love the fact that uh, the first one especially, it didn't take it so seriously, so it was kind of cool. But the second one kind of ruined it. But there's something about right. Taika Waititi can bring as the factor of it doesn't take itself seriously, and it's fucking awesome because it's explosions, kung fu, but at the same time, <clears throat> awkward humor that you would have never expected but probably freaking works 100% like a glove with G.I. Joe. 
I agree. You're making my inner child come out right now. <laughs> and you're making me want to tweet Taika right now and be like, forget about the pirate movie, not TV series. Do a G.I. Joe movie because I would pay to see that. I would actually pay that right now to go and see a Taika Waititi G.I. Joe movie. Yeah, and it was, hey, you never know. He might be listening to your podcast tomorrow. Probably will never happen, but hey, you never know. <laughs> but yeah, that's, right. and that's the beauty of, about Taika Waititi. He can inject a freshness like he did with Thor. Because I'm sorry, Thor 1, Thor, Thor 2, uh, you know, not as bad as Ant-Man, but definitely not my, like, rewatchables, like, every year, right? I usually watch it when I'm like, I, I have nothing else to watch. Or I accidentally sit on a TV remote, and it's it selects Thor. I'm like, oh, I'll leave it on. <laughs> but it's not my go-to. But Thor 3, I've seen it in cinema, and I've, I haven't laughed like that in such a long time because it brought a freshness. G.I. Joe needs that. Uh, really to take off the bad taste of the second movie. Definitely. Most definitely. I would, I, I, like I said, I'll pay to go see that. And like you said too, with Thor, I never rewatched any of the, uh, the first two Thor movies, but I'll rewatch mm. the third movie over and over again. Cause I had a great time watching that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, <clears throat> it has such perfect writing, you know, it, it could have been so cheesy, and so over the top that it just makes no sense. But the way he brought the sensibility of the 80s morning, 90s morning cartoon into life, but not feel too cartoony at the same time. There's such a, a very delicate balance, plus with the humor that could have just stuck out like a sore thumb. And yet he found a way to make it natural. And that is a hard skill to do. That is a mastermind, master director uh, skill that not a lot of people can reproduce. Definitely. So, so, you know, it, it, unless we want a three-hour podcast, maybe we should go to the main event. Yeah, let's go with the main event here. So, I decided, and I've been questioning this because of the group that I'm in, mm. or and stuff like that, where the, they're complaining because the boys is only going to be is only a once a week. TV series. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, as I'm reading these comments, I'm like, are we too spoiled? Did Netflix actually spoil us on binging TV series all at one time, like Stranger Things, Glow, and good original content? Did they spoil us on letting us watch everything all at one time, like one big giant movie? Um, You know what? No disrespect, but I think spoil is the wrong word. I think okay. Netflix changed the game in a way that it can't reverse itself anymore. Um, spoiling for me is, you know, giving something that after the end just <clears throat> leaves a rotten taste and it's not good finally. I like binging certain shows. Like for me, Daredevil, uh, anything to do with, you know, this, the the Marvel superhero thing, I would binge all shot and I was satisfied. I was okay with it. I liked it. And same here. And Stranger Things at the same time, I wanted to, it would have been fun to have almost like an event every week with Stranger Things. And I get, I have this debate actually with girlfriend. She, she's not a binge watcher. She, she does not comprehend the concept of binge watching after a while, she disconnects it. And me, I'm like, I must know, Nina. I cannot wait a week <laughs> for a lot of things. Certain things, maybe not for a lot of things, yes. What it has done is not spoil, but create a whole new way uh, for watching uh, TV shows. Uh, and for certain people, it's perfect, right? Uh, and they cannot go back to the old ways, which is waiting every week. And some people like that event. So it just created two sides of the coins, two types of TV watchers. And I'm actually glad it did that because you got some shows that you can really fit it to be binge watchy and really leave you for more. There is, you know, there is a downside to that because, you know, if you can't control yourself, you watch all one shot and they're like, yay, I have to wait a year. Yay. It can be it can be a bit sucky, but that day comes out, it feels like Christmas all over again. You're like, I waited a year. Fuck work. I'm staying in in my pajamas. <laughs> you have these moments, right? And and you just binge watch the shit out of it. And then you're like, damn it, I must wait a week again, uh, a year again, you know? 
<laughs> so it, it's not a bad thing. It just created something, a, a brand new um, philosophy in how we deal with, uh, with watching certain things. And for me, it's a bit like a book. Okay. Um, you got, you got your comic book, weekly comic books or monthly comic books. Right. And then you got graphic novels, Netflix binging is graphic novels. Once you open it, you finish it. And you got your week by week TV shows, which is your comic books. You read it and you're like, God damn it. It had to finish that way. What's going to happen? And then you get the other one. So it's just two different ways of reading comic books. Same thing. Two different ways of watching the TV shows. Right. I totally get that. And you see, I've been on both sides of the coin where certain shows are good, like you said, where you can binge watch your stuff. And I love binge watching the Netflix stuff when it was out for the Marvel shows. Hmm. And another thing, though, too. I love Mandalorian being a once a week show yeah. because it allows me to use my imagination mm-hmm. to where I can speculate on what might happen. Cause I have more fun speculating on what's going to happen rather than all of a sudden I'm binging the whole thing. Mm. And then I'm like, that's it. But I love binging though, too, because I cannot tell you, I binged watched Cobra Kai back when I was on YouTube, when I got it for free, I binge watched both seasons like in two weeks mm-hmm. and i'm like wait now i have to wait another year how could i do this to myself yeah it, it's a double-edged <laughs> sword but what you what's spoiling is not the binge watching that netflix introduced because it's a great concept right uh they, right. they were smart enough to say hey we are going to be different how did this differentiate yourself by putting in a format that most studios would be like are you nuts why would we do that but then they say they saw the brilliance in it and they went full on into it. What spoils it, it's the stupid humans that like it one right. way and be like, but you can only be that way. Like, like those right. those fans, wherever, whatever, or whatever they like, or like you can be comic books, James Bond can be black, or those those personalities. Right that you don't have an opinion and it can only be their opinion that's right, that's what spoils it. It's not the format. It's who enjoys the format and how they express their joy that really kills me personally. I agree with you on that. And the whole reason why I was thinking that too about the whole spoiled situation was because we're all spoiled off of, because we all watch stuff off of Netflix, so therefore everybody expects everything to be just like Netflix. Exactly, you know? and and not just because we watch worst ball because of Netflix. I'm like again, I manage people who are younger than me. And I'm sorry, we are a bunch of generation of spoiled brats, right? Everything has to be, and that's the thing. A lot of things has to be now. Waiting right. is hard. Waiting is painful for certain people, and now you lean into the now factor, which which is binge watching. You know, uh, which is not a bad thing, but it it plays on the more and more impatient generation that, you know, is very meme of an eye, which is not a bad thing, but has its own, you know, good side. But the bad sides are that kind of train of thought doesn't like to wait in general for anything, even less no. the things that they enjoy watching. No, because I like this is what I said in the comment section. I said. You wouldn't like being being uh, raised in the '90s like I was, where I had a once a week show. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't make it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and 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 hell, like it it was also once a week, and if you missed that week, you would have to wait a year to buy the DVD to to like to watch the missed episode. You can read unless you had a VHS tape and like and hope you record it. Yeah, record it, and even then, that was a labor, right? Um, right. <laughs> it would record halfway and realize, you know, you just erase your wedding tapes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, it, it's a whole different way. But right now with the now society, it's not a bad thing. It gave us diversity in how we consume it. What's bad, though? And that's what I sent you as a link. Is the Yeah, con- because I wanted to get into the health. Yeah. yeah, it's the consequences. Maybe that the, you know, these are social... Uh, social things that once when you create with good intention, never really think about the consequences relied uh, tied into your creations. 
And that is health. Binge watching actually encourage to not go out, right? You think about it. You're literally watching eight hours on your goddamn ass and just <laughs> zone out into whatever you are. You're not doing an exercise. Um, hell, I'm like that naturally because, you know, I'm lazy as fuck. But I could still do a bit more uh, exercise. But when you're always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? You never get off. And also encourages, you know, you don't want to cook. You just want to, you know, ding dong, eat, play. You don't want to put pause, put a chicken in, season it, do the fright. Like, no, you just want on to the next thing. So there is studies that are showing that more and more, uh, gen- uh, more and more population that are binge watching are also eating very unhealthy and really just doing a weekend on a weekend of just binge watching and not actually looking at their physical needs, uh, which is scary because more and more format, you don't just have Netflix. You're going to have a lot more just other streaming services are going to have that mentality because the faster you consume, the bigger than the man is. So it's going to create a lot more problems in that aspect than, you know, than they originally probably thought it would be. Exactly. If you're going to create more problems than it's actually worth. And like I said, every single day you turn around, there's always a new streaming service popping up. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's ridiculous. Like uh, uh, there's, you know, there's a streaming service now for uh, fringe type scientific shows, documentaries about like, what are, are aliens really with us? And what is, you know, the third type, like there's a been there's, there's a streaming service for anything now. And, you know, it's not a bad thing. It creates a lot of like content. You know, it drives economy. It creates jobs. Good for them. But you need diversity in your binge. What I propose, and I never understood why they don't do it more. I've seen it a couple of times, but they should implement it more, is to divide your binge. Meaning season one, has either one, two, or three parts. So you release four episodes, part one of season one, part two of season one, part three of season one. So you have that binge watch factor that you can watch four episodes and you're satisfied. You just watch for a, a huge Titanic size movie, but you're not exhausted and you don't have to no. wait a week. You have to wait a month. Release four episodes per month. If you have, let's say, 12 episodes, that is four months of content. And right. you still have that factor of, I can't wait to see net what's next. But you know in your head, you know, like, God damn it, it's in a year. It's more like, hey, it's in a month. Not that bad. And you still off your ass unless you binge watch something else because you're a couch potato. But, right. you know, you, you still have some diversity in what you're watching, too. And it'll, it kind of allows also to for other shows that, you know, instead that would have been watched like binge watching eight hours of or 12 hours of that one show. You put four hours in your watch, you're binge watching something else and give a shot to another show. Right. Right. And that's another thing, too, is we don't move from the couch or anything, like you said. And health-wise, it would actually be beneficial to say, hey, look, I've finished watching this. I can actually do some exercise now. I can actually go and season the chicken. I can actually get off my ass and do something. Exactly. It's easier said than done. Really easier said than done. (laughs) Trust me. If I didn't have to work, I'd probably be (laughs) sitting on my ass, uh, stuffing my face with some Fritos or something like that watching a tv series yeah and and like i i technically sit on my ass because you know i work in a call center so my ass is getting big no matter if i binge watch or not but uh yeah no it's it is a problem for like consumer wise people complaining because that's what people do people complaining that it has to be this way has to be that way meet the middle ground right if you want to meet a middle ground like i said release four episodes per part and divide it. You create um, like an excitement. You prolong your series. So you can put other things in, in the meantime, right? You do part one of, let's say, the next next Stranger Things has part one, first four episodes. You're going to binge watch that shit, right? But if you right. watch like 12 hours straight, at the end, you're burnt. 
you are burned. You don't necessarily watch another 12 hours of another show, right? Because your mind has just so much, unless you're a super fan and, uh, you know, get a life or a job. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch four hours, been watching four hours or something, you know, you can watch maybe an hour or two of something else and it creates more diversity and more views for something that might have maybe been ignored otherwise. Right. Exactly. I, I agree with you on that. All right. So, all right. All right. So that's going to do it for this podcast episode. Thank you again for joining us, for joining me. Yeah. It's like, how many personalities do you have, John, if you're us? (laughs) (laughs) Right now, the ones in my head, uh, about seven. seven. Oh, That's about it. Not not bad. At first, I was at twenty, but I had to kill most of them, so we're we're down to three. Okay. Well, the, well. Anyways, which <laughs> one of the three personalities can actually meet you on your channel? Uh, it, well, you know, two of them we just never speak about. But if you uh, are interested to hear more of me and my wackiness. Go down to Schmoes on the North on any good podcast platform. Uh, we do uh, a lot of things. Right now, I'm concentrating a lot on the Frenchie Talks about, which is general talk about one specific subject. But we have a whole catalog of Frenchie Watches, which is a deep dive, really a psychological dive on movies maybe you've seen 10 billion times. But we try to bring an angle that maybe will completely open your eyes to the movies you've seen a lot in a whole different aspect. And if you're a fan of the Schmodown, if I say Schmodown and you know what it is, hey, check out Schmodes on Earth on YouTube. We do match. Um, we dissect matches. We talk about the, the movie trivia sport and take it seriously. And we also have interviews with the contestants. So subscribe, like, and please watch. All right. And as everybody knows, you guys can go on ahead, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and all those good places at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite or John DiGorio85. Of course, we also have a webpage, but we're running into some difficulties with the webpage right now. Uh-oh. But you can actually follow that. Yeah, we're actually following. Matter of fact, we're actually trying to fix that up to make it is right now at this moment. Mm. And it's at MovieLoversUnite.com. And you guys can go on ahead, follow us on there. And matter of fact, what we're going to do is for the first 10 people that actually subscribe to our uh, to our page, if you're number 10, you're going to get a free digital copy of a movie. So you want to be number 10, subscribe. John, text so, me when you're at 9. Okay. The code is 7CA. <laughs> uh, and by the way, um, I, 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 I've been so swamped. But our episode of uh, The Frenchie Talks About, where I actually talk about podcasting and just John's life in general, is coming out this week. So take awesome. a look. You love this guy on his channel. You'll love him even more on my episode or on my show on his episode. So look, take a look very soon this week. All right. Thank you, man. I do appreciate that, man. That, that means a lot to me. And, of course, everyone, always until next time, bye-bye. Bonsoir. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.